your obedience to God is an expression of your love to God. Little uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, as we find Adam and Eve, they've eaten the fruit, and they're now suffering the consequences of that. But I want us to also look at several other things that we're going to discuss. I, I did a kind of a study over the word command in the Bible, and there's about 800 times it's used, 800, 830 uh, time usages in the scriptures. And uh, Drew principles, and, and there's various topics that kind of come out of that, and that's what this study is. As you think about the dividends of obedience, and obviously uh, drawing from the parallel uh, there with respect to finances and uh, interest on your money. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, we've looked at the past weeks of the commands of God and the vast areas that they encompass. I want to give you a little illustration here about obedience to God. King Canute ruled over Denmark, Norway, and England more than 1,000 years ago. A wise ruler, he worked diligently to make the lives of his subjects better, as is often the case. He was surrounded by those who sought to gain influence and prominence with him. And according to the ancient story, he grew tired of their continual flattery and determined to put an end to it. He ordered that his throne be carried out to the seashore and gathered his courtiers about it. By the sea, the king commanded the tide not to come in. Yet soon the waters were lapping around his legs as the tide did not heed him. According to one historian's account, King Canute rose up from his throne and said, Let all men know how empty and worthless is the power of kings. For there is none worthy of the name but he whom heaven, earth, and sea obey by eternal laws. End quotes. Think about this. This king understood. He said, I might have some power. I might have some. But he says, listen, I am worthless and I'm empty compared to he who has control of all of nature. And you think about the commands of God and the obedience to God. There are awful consequences for disobeying God, but, and there's an awful lot said about it. Secular culture looks at the God of the Bible as either vindictive or Jesus as a do-gooder and a philanthropist among men. They fit God into a box and, and they don't understand him. The truth is, the commands of God are really a tremendous blessing. And tonight we're going to discuss the blessings in obeying the commands of God. You can never go wrong in obeying the Lord. There is no regret for obeying the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about those who religiously and vainly perceive of obeying God, but rather those who serve God from the heart. Some time ago, I was talking with an individual, and they said, I'm trying so hard to serve God. It's life is so hard. And yet, they weren't willing to submit their heart to God, and, and it was very difficult. But this personal relationship of obedience and love will reap dividends far beyond what any retirement savings or financial portfolio can offer. And you must determine this evening that you will get to know God and follow Him, and as a result, reap the richest blessings of His promises. Now understand this, that the understanding for life comes from obedience. In Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. 
Psalm 112, 1, Praise ye the Lord, blesses the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. As you think about this, sometimes you may not understand why God is asking you to do something in your life. You may not understand why God is taking you a particular direction that he is. You may not understand, maybe if you played in sports or in some other place in life, someone is giving you direction. You don't understand it. It's not till after you've obeyed that you realize that person knew what they were doing and what they said was for my benefit. And so tonight, the principle is the dividends of, oh God, uh, the divid- <laughs> the dividends of obedience to God beat the wages of sin. As you think upon these very truths, let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing upon this time, and then we will commence our study looking at the dividends of obedience. And it really is a rich, rich study. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Father, I am unworthy to preach your name, preach your book. Father, I ask that rather than looking at the rules and the commands from yourself as that which is restrictive, Father, we look at them as embracing of an eternal love that desires your best or desires our best. So God, as I preach tonight, I ask for your help to preach. Help me preach with clarity. Lord, may we have open hearts to receive the truths that you've given, and may you be glorified. I love you. And should there be anyone here tonight that does not know you as their Savior, God, I pray tonight that they would settle that decision. And so, God, we ask you to take over and to help. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. The blessings of obedience. When you think about this, there's a generational inheritance. I want you to look with me at Genesis chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. There's a number of passages we'll look at, quite a few passages tonight. And uh, so, (laughs) help you in going back and forth in the Bible. Genesis chapter 26, verses 4 and 5, we understand, obviously, that God has given a command to Abraham. But these blessings of Abraham's obedience would have a generational uh, consequence. Genesis chapter 26, verses 4 and 5, And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because, because, that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Does it matter that you obey now? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. Your obedience to God now has an influence on your children and the succeeding generations. Understand this, that Jacob was saved by God's family and his, and his family. Genesis 45, turn with me there. The family decided to leave where they were at in Genesis 45. Verse 19, much more could be said about the dividends of obedience, but this is more of an overview of it. But get us to think, you know what? Rather than trying to resist God and resist 
what he's given to us, what we know we ought to be doing, rather than resisting it, why don't we embrace it? Embrace the one who gives it, because as we embrace him, there's dividends that come. In verse 19 of Genesis 45, Now thou art commanded this day, this do ye, take, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. The children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. What is God doing? God is using, God brought Joseph through some incredibly difficult times presumably 13 years of his life, uh, I mean, Joseph went through, I mean, you talk about a trial, Joseph went through it. And God took every step of the way, Joseph embraced the trials that God gave him, and now he's in a position to be in a place to rescue his own family. Does it matter that jo Jacob left where he was at? Yeah, because Joseph's family would have perished or would have had much greater difficulties. They were in Egypt for the 400, I mean, God told Abraham, your children will be in Egypt for 400 years. But not only is it a generational inheritance, but it also is a present protection. In Exodus chapter 1, just a few chapters later, coming over to Exodus, we find in Exodus 1.17 when the Egyptian king wants to wipe out the Hebrew children. But God worked in the hearts of the lost, those who do not necessarily know God, but we find him working in a way that shows only the hand of God. Genesis 1, excuse me, Exodus 1.17, but the midwives, so the king gives a, a, a command, kill all of the Hebrew boys. Verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. So we find some midwives that fear God and said, no, we're not murdering these babies. Verse 20. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty, and it came to pass. Because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. I would say here's a present protection. It pays to, to obey God. How about an enslaved deliverance? Israel, eventually, I mean, that king was not, he was not the nicest of kings. Yes, he saved the, the, the children, the boys, the baby boys. But Israel left Egypt there at the end of their uh, enslavement. In Exodus chapter 12, they leave at the Passover. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. They obeyed for the Passover. And what happened? The death angel goes over. Their children are spared. And they're let loose. You know what, if I'm not willing to obey God in the simple things, many times I'm missing out on God's deliverance from some things in my life that I don't realize I'm being delivered from. In Exodus 15, particularly verse 26, again, delivered from the Egyptian plagues, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. 
Now, we get all sorts of diseases today from being immoral with multiple partners. There's a lot of sexual diseases. But if you do it God's way, there is protection. There's also other physical issues that result. We find in Israel's case that they received national prominence. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and the Lord shall... Let's look at here, Deuteronomy 28. Verse uh, 13. It's highlighting several things here. Let's actually look at verse 12 through 14. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain into thy land in his season. So God is affecting the weather. So we don't, this whole thing with climate change, we, if we're obedient to God, God can make the weather good. And to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, and that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. God's saying, listen, I control the weather as well. I will put you uh, at the head of nations. And then in 1 Kings 3.14, And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. He's saying, Solomon, listen, you follow me. Not only this, God in Exodus 19, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. That's a portion of verse 5, Exodus 19. But the fact remains here, as you think about this, Israel would become a peculiar treasure if you keep his commandments. Now I want you to look with me in John chapter 14. That same principle still applies today as a peculiar people unto himself. John chapter 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself, un, manifest myself to him. What is he saying here? He says, you'll get to really know me. You'll get to see me if you follow my commandments. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. How to tell we love God? There ought to be both a love for God and a love for believers. Not only that, there's a full sufficiency of provision. Exodus 16, it talks about the bread that God would give to Israel, the manna in the wilderness. They were never brought to a place. God delivered them from Egypt. Now it's in the wilderness. It's not a place of of abundance of provision. But God still provided what they needed in that wilderness. They never lacked You would have thought that God would have said, I'm tired of your whining and your complaining. I mean, you guys are like, no water. Oh, I'm tired of manna again, manna again, manna again. I mean, oh, we got now all this quail. You know, I mean, we find, I mean, but God still provided every day. God provided every day until they reached into the promised land. Though a whole generation would perish. They were never brought to poverty. 
I mean, they ate manna for 40 years. All the animals and the crops were cared for. Would you look with me, Deuteronomy chapter 11. We worry about financial provision, especially, I mean, obviously, with the inflation and those sorts of things that are coming, food prices skyrocketing, uh, fuel prices going up, everything is going up, and taxes included. And as much as we may worry and be concerned, what I need to be concerned about most importantly is, am I doing what I ought to be doing for God? Am I being obedient? In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13, it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently to my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain of your land in due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. The news gets us to a place of worry and fear because of everything that's transpiring. I mean, culture, society, wars, rumors of wars, you name it, this world's a mess. But I, as a believer, ought to have my eyes upon God in obedience. And he says, I'll manifest. I will reveal myself to you. You'll get to know me. Do you realize this, that Ruth, in the book of Ruth, chapter Two, she leaves her homeland, Moab. She leaves her homeland and she goes with Naomi. She goes to some random man's field. Random, I say God ordained it, but she goes to some random man's field and begins to glean. This man, Boaz, who's of a relations to Naomi, recognizes it and says, men, leave her alone. Number one, don't touch her. Number two, why don't you leave a little bit extra for her? You know what, there is protection and provision in totally following God. Israel would also experience financial security. In Deuteronomy 15, it lets us know that they would be a lender and not a borrower. The nation would be lending unto others, but it would not be indebted. It says, you know, for the Lord thy God blesses thee as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations. Thou shalt not borrow. Now, this is contingent upon, obviously, obedience and hearkening into the voice of God. Not only that, Deuteronomy 28.8 lets us know there will be food, there will be storehouses for food. There's protection by God over his people. Remember Balaam and that donkey that talks? God would forbid Balaam from cursing Israel as much as And as hard as Balak tried to get him to curse Israel, God prevented it. And sometimes your very protection or your provision, as Elijah encountered in 1 Kings 17, the ravens fed him. You'll have an unlikely source of provision if you're obedient. Now, I don't know about you, I really don't want ravens bringing me my food. But you know what? If it's between that and death, and God says, listen, I'm going to bring the ravens to feed you, I'll eat it. 
You know, God would also command an impoverished widow woman who said, I've only got a cruise of oil and just a little bit of flour left. I'm going to make one last baked bread, a little loaf of bread. We're going to eat it and then we're going to die. That's all we have. We have nothing left. And God, I would hate to be Elijah in this thing. Um, can you make me the bread first? What? Are you serious? Don't you know where we're at? Like, you're the prophet, the man of God, like... uh and God would use this woman. And that cruise of oil and that flour, it never went away. It never waned. I mean, she sold it and she had all she needed to provide. You know what? God will give us sometimes unlikely sources of provision. It could very well be in your provision that maybe your car doesn't break down like it should be according to things or things in your house or other things don't break down. Something else that we find here, and sometimes within church when things are small and you're thinking, oh, as I think about this church and, and the continuing and moving forward, it's nothing but by God's grace that we persist. I want you to look with me at Exodus 36. There is more than enough provision for the worship of God in a place where his people worship him and obey him. Exodus 36, 5. We have a lot of worries. We have a lot of fretting and anxiety over things that we think we control. But at the end of the day, we don't control it. We're not, we're powerless. I mean, ultimately at the end, of, you could be, uh, you know, the strongest, most resilient person there is on this earth at this time. But you're nothing compared, if a bullet were to come, you're not going to stop it no matter how much muscle you have. It's still going to impact you. It shows us, I mean, an earthquake happens and the earth opens up, it doesn't matter how strong you are. I mean, sure, you might be able to jump a little, but you still got to land sometime. So the earth can open up, other things can happen, lightning can strike, someone's car can be driving down, their wheel fall off, smack your vehicle, boom, I mean, it's... It's but by the grace of God we persist. In Exodus 36, verse 5, it says, And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. So they're making the tabernacle. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary, so the people were restrained from bringing. Moses is saying, Whoa, whoa, whoa! The sanctuary has too much stuff. What did God do when he delivered them from Egypt? The Egyptian people said, here, take our gold. Take whatever you need. Get out of here. Move. Go. And so God just heaped the riches upon them when he delivered them. You know what? You know, if we're obedient to God, God's sufficient to provide for his sanctuary. Everything God commanded was provided for the tabernacle. Look with me at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. It's an interesting study when you really think about it. But it also shows us sometimes how little we regard God for every area of our life. 
First John chapter 2, verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You show your allegiance by your obedience. Something else that God did, if you find, if we look at Leviticus chapter 7, that God provided for the ministers of Aaron, he says, you're the Levites and the priests, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you out of the offerings. I mean, you're going to be able to eat some of the meat that's brought for offerings. You're going to be able to, uh, some of the flour and first fruits, you're going to be able to use that as well. God provided for his ministers. Judah had a place to live. Do you realize this? In 2 Chronicles 31, when there is repentance, there is sufficiency, there's a sufficient supply in God's house. In 2 Chronicles 31, 5, and as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and of all the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. 2 Chronicles 31, 20, and thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah, and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. God's saying, Hezekiah said, listen, there's sin in the land. We need to get right. He gets right with God. He gets, I mean, he, when Sennacherib, the Assyrian, wants to come against him, he pleads with God, we need your help. He gets on his face. He, he searches the law of God, and God returns to them. I'm not preaching a health, wealth, and prosperity, but I am saying God will give you the provision you need. You know what? God prospers our journey. Obedience to God in Deuteronomy chapter, look with me, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. Sometimes, as I was talking with the, um, the Duicks, and, and they've got 14 children, uh, which is amazing. Uh, they were just here this past Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they left Thursday, and, and a real blessing. And he told me as we were sitting back there, we were doing some work in the church on Wednesday afternoon, and he said, you know what, ever since, any time we've had kids, we've just been faithful, we've been done choir, and I've done deacons, and all this. He said, we never let our children slow us down from ministry to the Lord. We just stayed faithful and obedient to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40, thou shalt... Uh, and I f- found it amazing, and it, it ties in well with this truth here of chapter 4, verse 40 of Deuteronomy. Thou shalt keep, therefore, his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Brother Duick, Bernie Duick, he said, My prayer continually for my children is that none of them go astray. I want none of my children to go astray. I want all of them to love God. You know what? Your children, you have a, give your children a much better chance if you're obedient to be faithful to what God's called you to do. Your lack of obedience, it has effect upon children. Realize this, that refusing idols gives God's mercy. Deuteronomy 5. You know what? Blessings can be removed, but obedience, it prolongs God's blessings. The longevity of God's covenant talks about to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 7 as he talks to Israel. 
There's prosperity and a fulfilled life, but it demands obedience. And I'm talking about prosperity and the fact that you have enough provision. I'm not talking about being very wealthy. No, God may give that or he may not. But irrespective, you, it demands your obedience. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 8 before Israel goes into the promised land. God's going to give them a land with all the houses, all the provision. I mean, it's like walking into a city with superstores and all the hydro and all of the, the amenities, the water, the sewer, everything set up. And God says, here you go, it's yours. That'd be pretty amazing. Deuteronomy chapter 8, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. He says, listen, I'm bringing you in. He says, I want you to live by faith every step of the way. Every step in the wilderness, every day, manna came. I mean, I bet you after a while, they just took it for granted. Yeah, there's manna tomorrow. We gotta go to the, I got to go to the field and gather the manna again. How would you like your manna today? I don't know. Would you want manna with some milk? Would you like manna? I mean, how do you want your manna? I bet you there's quite a bit of recipes on manna. And maybe someday in glory we'll be able to taste it. I don't know. But God says, listen, he says, I'm taking you in, but don't forget the rule of obedience. You know what? If Israel went away from God's promises, it would l- decrease their time there in the promised land. But if they were obedient, God talked, and that ye may prolong your days in the land. But it's contingent upon obedience. God defeats our enemies to allow us to enter his full promises. I mean, it says in Deuteronomy eleven twenty three, Then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. But he says, but in verse 22, you must diligently keep all these commandments. You know what? You might have enemies in the workplace. You might have enemies in the family. You might have enemies elsewhere. But if don't let outside influences distract you from obedience to God, no matter what. Because God says, I will be with you, I will help you, and there might even be things that are much mightier than yourself. But God says, listen, though you are a nomadic people, you're not warriors. I'm going to go before you, and I will help you defeat them. Do you realize this, that when Israel went against Jericho, I mean, it was really a practical impossibility for them to defeat Jericho. It really was impossible. But when you think about what Rahab said, she said, we knew you were coming. We knew your God is the real God. We knew he got you across the Red Sea. We knew he got you across the Jordan River. I mean, the Israelites were fearful. Why did the Gibeonites try to, why did they deceive Israel and make that covenant with them? Because they knew they couldn't defeat God, so they had to be deceptive. Israel's disobedience would cost them. There is true living, there is life, and there is answered prayer. 1 John 3, 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. If you want answered prayer, you must be obedient. 
If you begin to say, well, Lord, uh, you just kind of throw these prayers up. I want the manifestation of God. I want the revelation, you know, the, 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 the manifest, God manifesting himself to me. I want to know him better. You know what, if you know mom, you know as you get older, if you've had, you know, when you got older and if your parents are now passed off the scene, but uh, there's a time when you kind of get out of a childhood, you get into adulthood, and you begin to think about your parents in a different way, and you're like, oh, okay, now I understand why mom and dad did what they did. God does things in our lives, and we don't always understand it. And it's difficult through the time, and I'm not trying to uh, delegitimize the hardship, but I am saying, Keep your eyes on obedience to God. Look with me at Leviticus chapter 26. Obedience affects your children. It affects how others look at you in in regards to, you know, Israel's and their national prominence. It affects next generations. But in Leviticus chapter 26, You don't want to know if you're disobedient to God, it also affects your crops, it will affect your finances. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 3, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Now you're saying, well, that's only for a farmer. But God can still give you the finances you need to do what you need to do to live. Deuteronomy, and just thinking about this, we can be so fearful of our finances, especially with a (laughs) a potential very uh, deep recession coming. There's a lot of those that are saying preppers, preppers, preppers. I mean, they're like, oh, you got to get all this stuff ready. You got to do these, you got to do your own farms, and da da da. I mean, there's just people that are worried, and they're talking about, you know, we need to be a prepper. You know, getting all these things ready. And there's maybe nothing inherently wrong with it, but the fear behind it, there is something wrong with that. Is there not a God in heaven that can still provide for us? Is there not a God in heaven who controls this world? We know that in our heads, but in our hearts we worry day to day. If I keep my eyes on what I need to do today... The Bible tells us, you know, sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just do what you need to do today. Do you realize that there's a return to blessing from captivity if you're enslaved and you've gone a wrong direction in life? God says, get back to obedience and I'll help you. I'll have compassion upon you and I will turn your captivity around. Saul and Jonathan, King Saul and his son Jonathan, when they, when they died, it took them until they were properly buried that God was entreated for the land and God returned rain to the land. You want to know something else? Look with me at Joshua 22. Many times we are a people uneasy. Again, is going back to this idea of fear and worry and all other sorts of things that are going about us, there is no safer place to be than in obedience to God. If you're disobedient, you've got a lot to worry about. But if you're obedient, 
Sure, you might go through some hard times. I mean, I'm not going to tell you it's always going to be easy. Joseph went through some hard times. Job went through some hard times. But do you realize, in Joshua 22, verses 4 and 5, And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren, as he promised them. Therefore now return ye, and get you unto your tents, and unto the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side, Jordan. But take diligent heed to do the commandments, the commandment, excuse me, and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, to love the Lord your God, and to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, and to cleave unto him, and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. So here is Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh, uh, and they're on east of the Jordan River. And he says, listen, there's rest. God gave rest to those in the promised land. God gave rest to these. But it demands obedience. And you know what? Sometimes also within a home, maybe there's some conflict, disunity in the home. There's fighting. You know what? God gives unity amongst his people. For true repentance and obedience. Second Chronicles 30 verse 12. Also in Judah the hand of God was to give them one heart. To do the commandment of the king and of the princes by the word of the Lord. Additionally God can keep uh, evil from me. Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. And a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Ecclesiastes 8.5 You know what God also can do in your life? God can promote you. David would go on to defeat the Goliath. And it would bring promotion. God would keep David's lineage in royalty. Though Solomon strayed and so did the many others. Jeroboam could have entered into the blessings of God. But he forfeited it because of disobedience. I want you to notice with me in Psalm 119. Let's read this. Psalm 119, 18. And I know these are somewhat some simple truths. But I think we forget who our God is. We sometimes get so deep upon one particular track that we just lose sight of the personality of God and what He does for us. He is a mighty God. He is in control. He's the the authority. He made the world. He set all the physics and the chemistry and everything in order. What makes us think that the God of authority somehow now is not involved with this world? Psalm 119.18 The Lord hath chastened me sore. Oh, verse 18. Excuse me, that was 118. 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from thee. You know what it ought to be? I must have a desire to hear from him. I must have a desire for his word. There's in the story of the Rechabites that were given wine and stuff was set before them. They said, no, we're not doing it. Our father told us don't do this. And it says there's a promise given in Jeremiah 35. And at the end of verse 19, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. Listen, there's a perpetuation of a godly seed. Does it really matter if I'm obedient? You know, we like to put God in a little box. Well, you see God this way, I see God this way. How about we just see God the way the Bible does? And we study his word, we come to it, and we say, what God, you reveal yourself to me. Whatever you reveal, I'll be obedient. 
And the more you know about him, the more you are accountable to. But just because ignorance is there doesn't mean you're not accountable. There was a time where Israel goes off into apostasy. They go off into idolatry, spiritual adultery. The temple is destroyed. Under Ezra, the temple would be rebuilt. I mean, God would give to a king to tell them, go back and rebuild Ezra and Nehemiah. We see this. We'd find under King Artaxerxes uh, in Esther chapter 6 that God would spare the Jews. He would spare uh, Mordecai's life. There was an evil Haman. You find in Esther chapter 6, verse 1, On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. Mordecai saved King Artaxerxes' life. That's a providence of God. You know what? There's things you might be doing, and you don't understand why you're doing them right now. There's people that you relate with now, and you don't understand why you're doing it, but you know you're supposed to. It's not until years later that it actually begins to say, oh, now I know why I did this. There's people years ago that I thought, I'll never see them again, it'll have no impact upon me. But at the time, God says, you know, there were some things I had done and maybe said incorrectly, and so I went back and I apologized, and it was years later, and it would actually be to my benefit. In fact, actually, there's a a gentleman I just spoke to this week. I worked with him on staff at a church, and we kind of clashed. But uh, looking forward to this summer, Lord willing, with a tent meeting, and he wants to come up and be a help, and he was on staff. He's now a pastor at a church, and he's older than me and has a number of children. Very nice guy, and uh, God just prompted me. I need to make it right. Now the question is, wow, pastor, it really does pay to serve God. It does. But it does not mean you will be without trials. You know what might happen to you at times? Esther chapter 3, verse 2, And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. What could happen if you obey God? Other people will get angry at you. Oh, you're one of them Christians. Ah! Some, as Nebuchadnezzar, as he threw the three Hebrew boys in the fire, may seek to destroy you. Daniel 3. Some may seek your total annihilation, much like Nebuchadnezzar did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or Daniel, who was praying, and he had to go through the lion's den. John the Baptist was killed for preaching truth. He said, Herod, stop sleeping with your brother's wife. And his head was cut off. The chief priests and the Pharisees sought Jesus' life and he was ultimately crucified. The apostles, Peter and Silas, or Peter and those that were with him in Acts 4, they were commanded not to speak, forbidden to speak of Jesus. Public backlash, Acts chapter 5, not teaching in his name. Acts chapter 5, verse 40, they received pain, they were beaten, the apostles were beaten. And then in Acts chapter 23, verses 1 and 2, 
And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded and that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Other religious people could very well get angry at you. Other professing Christians are like, Oh, you're one of those. Am I saying obedience to God is going to be an easy life? I'm not saying that. But you will have God manifest himself with you. You'll have God's presence with you no matter what. What is it that matters to you more than anything else? Obedience, in conclusion, does not guarantee an easy life. But it certainly guarantees a life with God's assistance and his comfort and his provision. Look with me at Proverbs 13, 15. Why would I talk about those hardships? I want to be realistic. I don't want you to have some perceived notion, oh, wow, life's getting hard now. Uh, I guess I'm not obedient. You know, we think sometimes just because bad things are happening to us that maybe it's the judgment of God. It could very well be God's allowing it for others to see that, hey, there's a Christian that in the trials, they're willing to stay obedient. What did Joseph do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong for to be sold into slavery. And yet God would use him. You think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. I mean, that's their Hebrew names. What did they do wrong? Nothing. They just didn't bow down to the king. But the Son of God was there with those three Hebrew boys in the fire. In Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Every individual, saved or not, will have challenges in life. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have opposition. You will never please everybody. Never. The way of transgressors. I mean, you look, you can read the, I mean, the very tabloids, they make money. The news makes money out of other people's hardships. They do. Wars, famines, politics, you name it. It's problems. <gasps> I got a glue, I got to watch the news, I got to know the no- closest news source, I got to know what's going on in the world. Why? So you get more fear? More frustration? More anxiety? Transgressors don't have an eye on God's wisdom to help through life. But those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have access to all wisdom of God. You have not because you ask not, right? As James tells us. You never go wrong in following God's commands. The life of Adam and Eve was exponentially harder as a result of disobedience. Loving God is the best and surest way to being all you were created to be. No matter whether you receive good at the Lord's hand or hardship, God is still to be praised. Job 1.21, and said, Job saying, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then his wife, in chapter 2, verse 10, but he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh, What shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. She says, Curse God and die. He says, You speak as a foolish woman. 
And I want you to take, I want you to, everything, the world right now is in a horrible state. Going back to Adam and Eve, as soon as they ate that fruit, life became more difficult. But look with me at Revelation 22, 14. We come full circle. My friend, obedience is what we need. What does God want you to do? In Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Woo! Hallelujah! It starts with obedience to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you don't do that commandment, if you don't put your faith in Jesus, there's no access to the tree of life. The tree of life was there, it, but because of sin and disobedience and lusting, desiring after that which was forbidden, we have thousands of years of bloodshed, tears, pain, despair. But you know what? No matter what happens at the end of the, at the, end of the story, at the end of the book, God says, listen, you have a right to the tree of life. God brings everything full circle. For those of us that know Jesus Christ, as you go through this life, we forfeit a lot of the goodness of God because we're merely disobedient. This book does not dictate how I live. It's culture, it's news, it's other sources, but this book isn't the filter for my life. And as a result, we're missing out on a lot that God wants. We're hurting future generations. Could very well be the land is cursed. And tonight, as we're going to come to a time of invitation, I want to challenge you. Is God who He says He is? And we can affirm and say, yes, He is. Why don't we obey him? Why is this book, God's word, his love letter, why is this not what I base my decisions upon? It's based upon my philosophy. God's going to right the wrongs. We're going to be in heaven someday. You and I, if we're disobedient, we hurt other people, not just ourselves. How about tonight you say, you know what? I want the dividends of obedience over the wages of sin. As you're obedient to God, may He bless and help you with all of life. If I can have Mrs. Pat come forward, we'll have a time of invitation. With heads bowed and eyes closed, the way of transgressors is hard. It is always more painful to do life in disobedience to God. Always. And I trust that tonight you would say, God, I will be obedient. As the music plays, I want to encourage you to pray and just talk with God as the message spoke to your heart. Obedience does not guarantee an easy life. But it definitely guarantees God's assistance, comfort, and provision. May you say, I am obedient. I love Him. Because I love him, I'll obey him. Maybe tonight, wherever you're watching, 
and say, Pastor, the first thing I've never done is I never put my faith in Jesus. If you die tonight, you know for sure you're on your way to heaven. If you know Jesus is your Savior, He died on that cross and rose again because you're guilty. And my friend, if you'll call out to Him, ask Him to forgive you of your sins and be your Savior, He'll save you. You're Christian. Well, rather than resisting God, why don't we see the blessings of obeying, obeying God? It is a blessed thing to be in the presence and obedience of an almighty God who is the authority. As the music will come to a close here at the end of this chorus, I just ask that in your heart you would resolve Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. Lord, I'm thankful. Father, I'm thankful that when I mess up, I can repent and I can be restored. Lord, you've also given us warning that if we disobey, what are the consequences? Lord, there's so many principles from your word that we can draw out that it just doesn't pay. The wages of sin, as the Bible says, is death. It does not help us. The way of transgressors is hard. Lord, tonight, for those of us as believers, may we say, I will be obedient no matter what. God, I'll follow you no matter what. Lord, I yield tonight to thee. Thank you for the work you've done. Father, I pray for the time to follow in fellowship that you bless the food to our bodies. Bless all that is said and done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection that give us access to the throne of grace. Thank you for the free gift that we could not earn that you earned for us. Thank you for it. God, may we go out And this week be obedient unto you. And so, God, I commit all that is said and done into thy precious care. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.